Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Right, we go now to our Israel report with Seth Fransman. Seth, it's great to be chatting to you again. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Great. So with Hezbollah increasing its attacks in the north, the IDF expanding its operation in Gaza, how is Israel handling the war on multiple fronts? Well, Israel's trying to manage the conflict and not have it escalate too much in the north or other or some other places while continuing to defeat and degrade Hamas in Gaza. And that's obviously a, you know, a complicated operation that's gone on for more than 80 days. Right. Now, with the U.S. putting pressure on Israel and obviously it, one of its largest suppliers, what is, how is Israel dealing with the potential of having limited supplies coming in from the U.S., particularly, we believe, in terms of ammunition? Israel is trying to move production into Israel so that it has indigenous capacity, and that is something that Israel has always historically tried to do. But, you know, there are certain types of weapon systems that you can't make in Israel, like you can't make F-35s, but you can make munitions and right. you can try to secure supply lines for the 155-millimeter munitions and some others that are obviously in short supply due to the Ukraine war. Right. So we're seeing also a, down, you know, a downturn in U.S. supplies for Ukraine. Because I think Israel's going to need more of those munitions. Right. And I think that's, that's something Israel is quite famous for, going back to the, the original fighting with the British, where they had the underground bullet factory, which I believe you can actually tour today. So if we look, look at Iran uh, with the slaying of the IG, IRGC commander and Iran seeing it as a key regional strategy, what's happening in terms of that well, Iran has just lost an IRGC officer in uh, Syria, a very senior important one. That's removing a pretty important piece from the chessboard. You know, Iran obviously wants to respond to that, and it wants to use all of its proxies like Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis, uh, militias in Syria, and also Iraq to threaten Israel and the United States as part of its, you know, regional strategy. Iran is basically, you know, doing a long-term strategy of trying to remove the United States from the region and then attack Israel because Iran sees Israel and the U.S. as basically kind of the same thing. Right. So with regards to Iran in that view, what is the stability at home? What is the stability in Tehran in terms of the leadership versus what the population, the populace are looking to do? Well, I think that Iran... I mean, look, look, the regime in Iran is, uh, is pretty, pretty, uh, strong, it seems like. I mean, I don't see any chance that the Iranian regime will fall apart or that it will be toppled. I mean, obviously most Iranians don't like the regime, but I think the regime is pretty stable. Right. Okay. So this is not a change that we might see in the near future. I would not say so. I don't think there will be any change in the regime in Iran. I think it will continue to threaten the region and threaten Israel and threaten the United States. And it will continue to build up and fund these militias all over the place. Right. The dangers of the IDF strategy shift in Gaza, what can you tell us about that? Well, 
the, Israel has been fighting in Gaza for 80 days. That's a long time. It's the longest war Israel's fought since Defensive Shield in, I think, 2002 or so. So this is a long slog. It's a difficult campaign. Israel has called up lots of reservists, but, you know, you can't keep reservists on the front line forever. So right. it means that Israel has to continue to defeat Hamas battalions in Gaza. But, you know, what does success look like? And how does it actually find the Hamas um, leadership and stuff like that and get the hostages back? Right. 100%. How big a, how big a strain is it going to be for Israel to look at fighting a war on two different fronts, the north and the south? I think, you know, we've seen now that Israel has preferred not to do that. It had an option to do that early in the campaign. It could have attacked Hezbollah or responded in a stronger way. Obviously, the U.S. has sought to deter, you know, Hezbollah from joining the war. Israel has the capacity to defeat Hezbollah and Hamas. I mean, in 1967, Israel defeated, you know, three countries. Yes. The, the issue, of course, is that Israel doesn't want to have huge casualties or have the home front, you know, suffer big damage. It prefers to fight a kind of precision war, a kind of modern-style war. Right. And therefore, you know, the, the, the way it fights Hezbollah is very different than the way it fought terrorism in the 1970s. Right. With touching on that point with the war being going on for over 80 days and with so many soldiers dying, what is the, what effect is that having on the, the population as well at home with regards to also with the reserve soldiers coming out? How is that now affecting, affecting Israel? Well, I don't think that it, you know, I think Israel's ready, is will, the Israeli people are ready to face a long conflict because they want to see Hamas defeated. So I think that they accept the casualties and they accept the hardships, but they want to see success. And I think they're, that's the question. If they feel that Israel's not achieving anything in Gaza, then they will start to ask questions. And I think so, so far, you know, they're ready to prepare, they're prepared to shoulder the burden because the hostages are not back. And, right. you know, there, there are six or seven or eight hundred people that were killed, uh, civilians on October 7th. And Israel, the, the, the people responsible for that have to be defeated or, or, or the perpetrators brought to justice. Right. What is the impact sort of of this duration, of the long duration of the war having on the resources within the country? We're seeing challenges as well with shipping and also on the the economy of Israel. Well, you know, it's been difficult for Israel to have uh, flights canceled and stuff. But in general, I think the economy is very resilient. I mean, I think the, the country seems to be doing fine. I mean, it's kind of returned to normal in a lot of ways. Uh, right. You know, the country was built to withstand conflict. It's not a country that is is not used to this. You know, this is a uh, hundred years of conflict, and I think a lot of people here are willing to show these burdens, and I think international investors are not fleeing. I think we're going to continue to see high-tech investment, or we're going to continue to see the Ministry of Defense, you know, basically plowing money into Israel defense industries. I mean, there's thousands of industries involved in this, in making weapons and, and, and armor and all sorts of things here, so... Right. We're going to continue to see that. And what is your sense on the ground with the average Israeli? How are they holding up? What is, what is sort of their, 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 their feeling now? The morale is very high in Israel. People here are, 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 uh, they were shocked on October 7th. 
Yes. They haven't fully recovered, but everyone here is patriotic, and I think a lot of people are, you know, are, are holding together, and they're willing to accept, um, you know, losses and casualties, and they're willing to also hold off on criticism of the government because they believe that unity will bring victory, and that you right. know Israel is fighting an existential war for the for the country. Do you see any? long-term or even a temporary ceasefire as an optional potential with regards to the return of the hostages that, that's been discussed on and off? Um, I don't know. I mean, there was already one ceasefire pause or whatever, and yes. uh, Hamas violated it, and Hamas has not been, uh, you know, uh, has not been able to return the hostages, and they, they keep lying and claiming that they don't hold all of them or whatever, so... I don't see why there can be another ceasefire if the if the terrorist group you know, has proven it's a terrorist group. I mean, I don't you know the, the the group should be destroyed. So I don't see I don't see how it will happen. But I do understand there's lots of pressure in Israel to cave into things like that. Right. What, what is the sense from the average Israeli with regards to ceasefire talks? You mentioned the patriotism. Is that something that's not an option? Uh, you know, I mean, look, there, there's different groups of people in Israel. Some of them support uh, bringing the hostages home as fast as possible and, and wh- whatever means necessary right. in terms of a ceasefire. And some of them don't support that. And those are both legitimate positions. There's nothing wrong with a ceasefire to bring hostages home. It just probably should not be a permanent one. And, it, you know, the goal is not accomplished until the Hamas leadership is destroyed. But the, the Israeli government is the same government that was managing the conflict before October 7th and didn't destroy Hamas before that. So right. I think that's, there's a lack of clarity in terms of who is willing to actually defeat the terrorist group. What is the response of the U.S. being with regards to a potential temporary ceasefire? The United States has, you know, kind of stood back and let Israel do what it wants to do. But, you know, there is rising concern in the United States that there should be a ceasefire, I think. And, you know, this is an election season in America, so things yes. are going to begin to change in the, new, in the new year. What is your sense in terms of the elections and the effect that it's going to have on Israel? Will it bring extra pressure? Uh, you know, obviously, the elections will, will change the focus to domestic politics and Trump and all sorts of things. I don't know if it will bring less pressure on Israel. I mean, both Joe Biden and Donald Trump support Israel, so they may try to out-Israel each other and both support it more. I don't necessarily think the elections will change that. It will just shift the focus. Right. Is there any any sense of the U.S. getting involved on the ground or any of the other European countries to support Israel? I don't, it's not clear what will happen there. It's just not, I don't think there is any sense of that. No, I don't think so. All right. And for for yourself, how are you holding up, Seth? Everything's great here, yeah, you know, covering the war every day. I was just in Gaza a few days ago, and I can't, of course, say all what I did there because uh, there's an embargo on some of the information, but basically I was there to observe some of the troops, and we got to see some of the fighting, and, and uh, it was certainly an interesting experience, and obviously it shows that the fighting is not over. There, we, we were under mortar fire on the border before we went in, so the, the enemy is still able to shoot mortars, and it's, it, it has some capacity left. Right. So just look after yourself, please, because we want you to stay safe, and thank you for 
coming uh, to us today. That's Seth Fransman with the Israel Report.